podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello everyone, Happy New Year. So 2024 dawns with an absolute dolter of a game in last night's Liverpool-Newcastle face-off. A roller coaster which encapsulates the whole gamut of what FPL offers from the lowest low, or the highest high if you didn't captain him, of Salah's missed penalty, a striker in Darwin, prolific in missing chances, and finally redemption for the Egyptian king as class showed. That assist for Gakpo, Sam especially, I'm still thinking about it. Maybe Gakpo's muffed up finish as much as the past, mm. but wow, what a ball that was. And 2024 begins with WGTA still here and me, Tom, still with a beer. I'm too old for resolutions, that's for sure. Uh, joined by Sam. How was your New Year's, mate? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you and to everyone listening. Yeah, my New Year's was very muted, didn't really get up to much. I just fancied a quiet night in after quite a, a heavy and full-on Christmas. So relaxing for that. I've got a, a winter break in a couple of weeks as well. So I wanted to save up a bit of money and, and just chill out. But obviously yesterday supplied all of the fireworks for me um, in the Liverpool game. Tonight we're recording at halftime of the West Ham Brighton game. Hasn't really lived up to what we saw last night, but maybe it will brighten up in the second half whilst we're streaming. As always, we are Who Got The Assist on today's pod. We're doing a, a bit of a two-parter over the next two weeks as we've got the FA Cup break. Um, so we're doing a bit of a zoomed out pod this time round. So having a look at the season thus far, like we did during the last international break, in fact, as well, having a review of how each team is doing, going through each team one by one and reviewing the data behind all of all of these uh, performances so far. And then next week, we'll dive more into projecting forward, as it were. So this week, we thought, let's take a bit of a breath and look back for a bit. And then next week, we'll be into the nitty gritty of game week 21 specifically. Uh, bold claims and listener questions will probably come next week. Um, so we'll take a rest on those this week because we've got a lot to cover in just an hour and a half. Um, but they'll return next time out. So don't worry about that. As I mentioned, we're recording on Tuesday, the 2nd of January. A very happy new year to all of you out there. And as I mentioned, it's half time during the Brighton West Ham game. In the meantime, shall we have a look at scores on the doors, Tom? Yeah, we're basically praying for a Brighton goal with the bow and blank here, um, unlike probably a lot of people yeah. who are <laughs> watching the game with great anticipation. But yes, um, good week for yours truly. Uh, proper rollercoaster, as I mentioned, and as I posted on X, I feel like we've just overindulged on FPL over December a little bit. And we're all just going to have a lie down now. That's probably good that it's the FA Cup break, as you said. I think the... Um, responses to the salad pen miss i mean you were grumpy yeah. i was grumpy for a good kind of five ten minutes um and normally my threshold is about 30 seconds so i think that kind of showed that been ground down a little bit by by bad variants bad luck whatever you want to call it over the christmas mm. period but no, very pleasing to see him come back um come back into it with the brace and the assist um overall yeah 92 it's a very good week um up from 700k to 400k and um, the defense did absolutely bugger all um, and yeah. so Pedro Porro, Saliba, Ben White of the one point who got subbed off as Arteta changed the formation and put Trossard at wing back. So, so one to watch out for there going forward. I played Matt Turner, Sam, over Leno to, for a two-point advantage. Wow, Massive. lucky me. Well, I, I, know, I, I was watching the game um, and I basically, the United game, and my feeling was um, before the game week, and it showed, it showed it proved in the game, the only way they were going to score was if there was an error. And Turner... Yeah 
bless him, just looks so nervous the whole time. I don't know whether that's just his natural sort of disposition or trying too hard. I don't know. But he was a mistake waiting to happen. So it proved just passing it straight to Garnacho. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the end of the day, he made, a, I think he made his third save in like the 95th minute. A really good save, actually. Um, so it got free him and Leno last minute yellow card. So I felt happy about the kind of the two point swing there. And yeah, this is what we're, this, what, this is what it's down to these days because everything's quite similar. Salah Caps has mentioned uh, bangs from uh, Palmer, um, two assists from Watkins, assists from Darwin, Slanky blanked. So I did bench Gordon, who did get the assist, and Son scored. And I bought in Foden uh, in the end um, for Mr. Martinelli. So part one of the cleanse has been done and um, Martin <laughs> did go on to get an assist an FPL assist that is um, the saved effort from Leno which was palmed out to Saka to um, rather unconvincingly tap in um, but Foden with the two assists looking pretty golden in the 10 it could have got a lot more um, very mm. happy with that move the double digit haul um, his biggest haul of the season I think with the 12 points the two assists and the three bonus so yeah very good um, 92 points um, but with quite a lot to do um, moving forward with Salah and Son obviously gone Still got Shimakas, still carrying him. Uh, still got Darwin, um, and you know, I, I don't think there's a way. And we'll talk about this a little bit later uh, at the end of the pod, but probably much more next week. There's no way I can get Holland and Trent in in one go without taking minus eight. So yeah. quite did it for me, and um, yeah, very pleasing week. Um, hopefully, I can continue it because I think recently I've been in the doldrums, um, and <clears throat> if I have had an okay week. I'm not being able to follow up, follow up by another with another okay week. Um, so that kind of consistency is key. Um, and something that I need to really consider um over the next kind of couple of weeks. But I wouldn't be considering anything um right up until uh, I guess when we pod next Monday is when I'll kind of start to open the door on that. What about you? Yeah, so not a million miles behind, not quite the heights of 92, but 87 for me um was a pretty decent green arrow as it stands. Obviously, we're still waiting on whether Bowen and Ariola start to pluck away at our green arrows a little bit but 87 should be solid enough for a decent green um as long as neither of them go nuclear tonight um but yeah only three points across my goalkeeper and defense whereas 84 points came from my front seven so all of them return that's obviously very pleasing i know a lot of you out there will have a similar structure this week where all of your seven or um six forwards all returned as in midfield and attack and strikers rather obviously captain armband on Salah very happy with that more so than I was at halftime I was ready to throw my TV out the window at that point but never <laughs> yeah, doubt well, the king very, of FPL very angry, weren't you? <laughs> I, I was living you, you don't see me get like that about FPL no. that often anymore but in a week where so many other captains had already returned and I hadn't brought in Man City players either. I was really backing Salah hard. And probably the fact that he was my captain, I think he was a lot of people's captains, but I was missing out on those City players as well. So I really felt like I needed to play catch up through that Liverpool game. Um, and at half time, all three of my Liverpool players, Trent, Salah and Darwin, had all missed absolute sitters and arguably missed more than one chance that should have resulted in a goal each. Um, and I was just ready to give up. So very fortunate in the second half, two of them came through. Um, and that is the the roller coaster that is uh, FPL for you in a nutshell. Um, but yeah, Palmer returned really nicely. Son, who obviously needs to go, returned. Um, Gordon and Darwin both turning out to be quite large differentials for me um, at my rank. Uh, under 10% mm. for Darwin now. Gordon at 18%. Um, all absolutely fine um I wouldn't say they exploded but it was nice to get a little benefit from that 
And yeah, up to just inside the top 300K now by the looks of it. Again, um, it might just just be outside of it, um, depending on how Bowen and Ariola do in the second half. But overall, pretty happy. Two free transfers to go into game week 21, which means that Slight, probably slightly more easily than you. I can probably get back to Haaland if I want to and maybe sort out either both of Salah and Son or at least one of them in game week 21. So I feel like te just taking a step back this week and just playing the cards that I had has helped me out in, in the long term and hopefully game week 21, I can get back on the front foot again. Yeah, I think you're, with the two free transfers, you're definitely uh, a little bit ahead of me really just because I'm... I'm going to be buying Holland, and I've got to make a decision about midfielder to bring in as well. Got a bit more of a management sort of over the next few weeks to deal with, especially with Shimmercat still sat around. Um, but yes, no, look, all looking good, all looking rosy. I mean, obviously, we kind of want to knock a digit off those ranks um, fairly soon, but I think we're heading in the right direction finally, or at least we're starting the new year on a good foot. I think it would take yeah. you know, Ariola and Bowen to score 50 points between them to, to knock that green arrow, which is always nice. Right, got a lot to go through, as Sam mentioned. Um, so so let's kind of move into it. So as with the international break, um, a third away through the season, um, long-term listeners remember that, longish. That's, that's a short-term listener, isn't it? But hey, you know what I mean. Um, now we're just over um, half the season. We're doing a pair of pods, um, as Sam said. One zoomed in um, next week with guest FPL Blackwolf, but this one will be a more zoomed outlook um, at the teams in terms of how they've done this year in FPL. Um, and it's a bit of looking through the underlying data and what our observations are of each team and the key men. And um, yes, I mentioned next week we have more of a look of the players to target for the upcoming um for the upcoming sort of fixture runs etc etc the on the on-screen graphic if you're watching on youtube or if you're watching this later on all teams uh, by xg rank so not by actual rank but that is kind of shown um it also includes the actual league position team sgc and the next five fixture scores according to the fixture analyzer and fans football hub other fixture stickers are available this is not a hub advert and i suppose this is just a bit of a look back um at just over the first half of the season, see how it's unfolded, really. And then next week, we'll use that to project us forward. But yeah, we're back on the open road a little bit, taking it team by team, um, looking at players of interest and then touching on the fixtures. And we're always going to have FPL relevance in mind when we do this. So sorry if we give your team, <laughs> the team you support, that is short shrift. Um, last time we went from top to bottom and spent way too long on the bottom teams. So sorry to fans of those. I think they'll be kind of bound up together uh, this time and uh, we'll do the converse and look at the top teams first. We'll obviously touch on what's changing. We're missing players um, are occurring for many of these teams due to African and Asian competitions but a lot of it will be kind of focused more on what we've learned um, looking at data and context the key men the key men and also how they've done versus expectations and yeah what have we learned per team uh, the staff of Liverpool who are top of XG uh, for uh, the first half of the season as it were uh, when we looked at them in game week 12 they were also uh, top for um, for XG so no movement there and um, no surprise that Mo Salah who's since now departed um, it was uh, is top in terms of all players in terms of uh, non pen XGI overall and in terms of team SGC as well um, they've climbed one place um, up from uh, fourth to third so Sam um, Liverpool I think we would have expected them uh, to be kind of in and around the top but it is quite a decent gap isn't it between them and Chelsea who were second uh, for team XG spoiler um, uh, five in between them uh, been quite a force to be reckoned with and also I suppose if we think back way to the start of the season uh, a force which perhaps was un underrated uh, if mm. that is at all possible because even though yes you know if Salah wasn't going before Salah departed many of us had you, you had a triple up Liverpool, I had Darwin and Salah, et cetera, et cetera, and so on and so on. Um, but a team who have really sort of you know, 
force themselves into the reckoning and now we've got to kind of almost reconfigure uh, because Salah's departure yeah absolutely I think because this of the season Liverpool had in 22-23 possibly we underrated them a little bit coming into this season. We didn't really know what to expect of that midfield. Obviously, they needed a bit of a reshuffle. Um, they they brought in well. So Soboslai, obviously, we knew from Football Manager, especially for me and you, would be a good signing. But we didn't know how they'd all gel together in that midfield. Obviously, it's now looking like a team that very much know what they're doing. And it looks like Klopp's, uh, Klopp's second edition of what he would imagine Liverpool to be at their ultimate in their ultimate form so it looks to me like they are a team that are very much hitting their straps right now um obviously they probably would have been top of the xg anyway re regardless of last night but 7.21 i think it was xg against newcastle undoubtedly helps that and probably ensures that this number is maybe a little bit inflated with that that game in mind but they all count and we have to add all of these in so yeah they're deservedly at the top I think the next question is, one, maybe are we slightly underrating their defence? Because I think we historically back them as being quite leaky and Alisson gets them out of trouble a lot. Well, the data suggests that they're not even actually conceding that many chances, that they're actually being quite tight at the back this season, third overall in the XGC ranks. So a player like Trent, obviously you don't have him yet. You mentioned whether or not to bring him in this week or possibly the week after. How important is having him or at least Liverpool coverage at the back going to be in the next few game weeks? And then the next question is around Salah and the three or four game weeks that we think he's probably going to miss. Can somebody else step in? and hog that XG and become that talismanic figure for them. Because obviously, if they've got a, a team XG of 44.3, non-penalty XGI for Salah of 17.9, he's getting quite a lot of it himself. And that's disregarding the three or four penalties he's had already as well. So can someone step in? Will they be hampered without him? And can someone like Darwin or Jota be a shoe-in for our FPL teams? I think one of them is more likely than the other at this point. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's a lot to consider with Liverpool, especially with the, the shifting tectonic plates of, of Salah not being there for at least a couple yeah. of weeks, it seems. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think the last few weeks, especially kind of the last game, shows the extent to which Salah is clearly the talisman. That's not new news. Um, and I don't know, especially if you do own Darwin at the moment, you know, if you own Trent, I assume you're going to be leaving him. If you don't own Trent and you you own Darwin, but you're looking to get rid of Holland, get rid for Holland as I am and as you are as well, Sam. Mm -hmm. Or if you're kind of just sat, I don't know, not really too sure what to do, whether because they've got Bournemouth next and they've got Chelsea who we, have, I just mentioned the second for the team actually this far this season, and Arsenal 23 and then a couple of good games, um, or three good games, Burnley at home, Brentford away and Luton at home in 26. Um, some kerfuffle potentially surrounding blanks and stuff coming up as well. Mm. And the question, I suppose, is do you want to be running to these guys? And we spoke about that with FPL General, didn't we? Like, you know, who the sub-talisman, the stand-in talisman's going to be? And yes, okay, Trent is a good example of a player that, you know, you, if you own him, you just keep. Um, and you may be looking to buy as well because the ownership is racking up if you are worried about effective ownership and things like that. But I don't know. I, I'm quite happy with just waiting and watching, really. If, I know it's Bournemouth next, but Bournemouth have, and we'll talk about them later, recovered in terms of the XUC after quite a poor kind of start to the season as they were trying to find their feet a little bit and also had a really stinking fixture list. Um, yeah. So I don't know. With, with, with them, 
I'll be looking to remove Darwin um, for Haaland. It looks like, it sounds like from the ITKs at least, and that Haaland is probably going to be okay for Newcastle. Um, and I think that will leave me Liverpoolless. Um, I do have Shimakas, but you know he's he's very injured. And, and I think I'm kind of okay to just kind of wait and watch at least the game with 24 uh, when that Burnley game comes in. Yeah, um, makes sense. And, and, and figure out after that because I mean, even if yes, Liverpool's defence are it have been performing decently. No defence really has performed decently. Actually, if you take a look back and take a look at the actual sort of clean sheet. Uh, stats this year compared to last so i think it's i think it's something that you know trent is probably uh i'd lean towards that being a buy if you can um but i i other than that completely fine to sit back and watch and wait and i think that's a, a huge kind of advantage uh, a huge sort of advantage i guess if you're looking to kind of bring in other targets like perhaps foden or something like that uh, for liverpool sam um, to round them off what do you think we've learned this year um i, I think personally after kind of quite a trying season last year and mm. um, we've kind of learned that they're able to kind of build i, I think a, lo- a lot of kind of advent- defensive solidity for example has been through um increased um, responsibility for endo who seems to be playing really well um so m- maybe that's kind of attributable to that and um, but i think we've kind of learned that um yeah liverpool were ever present <laughs> really um in terms of um, in terms of F- fpl efficacy um, and you should never count them out and i think next year yes okay at the start of this season we're saying oh salad's too expensive we've got all these kind of lovely players that we could be buying uh, next year if this does continue um i think we and it, it, it should because the rebuild seems to have been successful um, i don't think we're going to be in a, in a position again where we'll be looking at liverpool and thinking oh you know what i'm going to allow that and buy some united assets <laughs> something like that uh, what do you think we've learned well i think you've hit the nail on the head there i think if we ever find ourselves doubting liverpool's attacking capabilities in particular we should maybe look back at these moments and, and just do a, a stock check to see what has actually changed because yes last season they're a little bit off the ball um i think there were reasons for that and they've sorted out those reasons over the summer pretty pretty well it seems it looks like a team that are a lot more stable now um they have had their own issues as all clubs have this season already but they look like they've come out of all of this in a in a much more positive way they're still creating chances for Salah I know at the start of the season there was question marks and it feels like this is a recurring thing every single season of is he playing wider is he more of an assister now and all of a sudden he then goes and bags a brace in the following week so I think it's just one of those teams, if Salah stays, which obviously there were rumours about him going yeah. off um, at the end of this season, potentially. But if he's around, then there's not really any price, barring something ridiculous, that would mean he's not an option for us in the future. And it's just whether or not Darwin ever, ever, ever comes good. And at this point, it doesn't it doesn't really look like it's going to, despite the fact he's got 13 attacking returns a season. Um, yeah. Very, very patchy and very frustrating as well. But yeah, I think you yeah. hit the nail on the head. Liverpool are always going to be a great team to target in terms of that attacking potential. And if you want explosive returns, they're always going to be on your radar. Yeah, except Darwin. Maybe, maybe once the blue Darwin. moon, you know, he's fifth, fifth for non-pen XG, Sam, fifth. Mm. Um, just behind Nicholas Jackson, um, who's Chelsea's... Uh, Continued. Um, he Great was fourth, segue. Um, yeah, he was fourth. Thank you. He was fourth in last international break, and he's still fourth uh, with thirteen. Um, similar sort of um, Darwinitis, I suppose. A couple more goals than him of seven to Darwin's five. Uh, Darwin's missed so, so many big chances. Okay, big chances is quite a subjective thing if you speak to the analytics crowd. Um, but still, um, 
but Chelsea themselves continue the good underlying data uh, in terms mm-hmm. of um, XG. XGC has kind of eroded a little bit. So they were fifth um, last time it was this game at 12. Now they're down to eighth. Um, but still doing all right. And um, in terms of team XG, very good. However, they're tenth on the table. <laughs> so um, something isn't quite coming together there. Maybe it is the finishing, Sam. Maybe, um, for example, they scored 33 goals this season. And that does kind of put them, you know, I think I think it's in the top ten, like nine, something like that. And um, but they've left quite a few goals at the table, and those kind of goals are quite obviously going to be the ones that are <laughs> definitive in, uh, in improving where they are. Um, notable um, is that Cole Palmer has come out of nowhere um, to be thirteenth overall in terms of non-pen XGI um, this season thus far, just behind Bruno Fernandes and ahead of the likes of Brian Bumo, um, Musa Diaby, all these sort of players who were last time we looked at this really high up there. I suppose, though, the consideration really FPL-wise is literally Palmer for Chelsea. I don't think you'd be looking at you know, Sterling at the moment because uh, Madueke seems to have taken his place. Uh, the defence is all over the place, and uh, as shown by the SGC falling, the fixtures, you know, there has been a very good sort of ongoing fixture run um, that they've been in the midst of, um, but that is coming to a close now. The Fulham game in Game 21 sort of the last one in, in a little while after they got Liverpool away, the Wolves at home who are performing very well, uh, Crystal Palace away, Man City away, and then Tottenham at home. So, Probably not worth investing, but I mean, Palmer at his price seems to be kind of the, the, the key one really there. Who, yeah, I mean, uh, James on Planet, um, I listened to them and I was putting my daughter to bed. And he was saying that, you know, um, if he was repriced now, he'd be eight plus, and that makes a lot of yeah. sense. So, a player that you just keep, keep, keep because he's in the middle of everything, isn't he? Especially kind of the last few games. Yeah, he's the creative force in at the centre, at, at the focal point of all of their attacks at the moment on penalties. He's just absolutely um, great value for money. And yeah, no doubt James is right. He would be worth 8 million plus, all of those factors considered. Um, the other player that I'd be interested in if he gets if he gets uh, to prove his fitness is Nkunku, obviously. Um, Jackson being fourth on the list for non-penalty XGI, I think is more of a marker that there are players in the Chelsea side that potentially if put in the right areas and in the right positions, they're creating enough chances that a lethal finisher, one with historically good data, enter Nkunku, could actually be the one to benefit from that. So I think him coming back in could be very interesting. He's very decently priced at under 8 million, comfortably under 8 million as well. So he could be someone that we look at later on in the season. But I think considering the fact that we've got three or four forwards on our radar, regardless of Nkunku, um, he's probably fifth or sixth on the list right now. So you can probably give him a bit of a watching brief, let him rebuild that fitness and, and start nailing down a spot in, in the starting 11 week in, week out before we go there. Um, as you mentioned, the fixtures do toughen up a little bit. So um, considering there are three or four other strikers you'd want, you could probably wait unless you want to be really differential and, and attack. And that's absolutely fine, by the way, because mm. he could he could easily pay off. But it is more of a risk than some of the sure things that we've already seen this season. So, I mean, what have we learned about Chelsea? Well, I think they were a team that we had our eyes on because they lacked the continental competition that other teams um, were busy with and they'd spent heavily. The, the only thing was that we weren't really too sure where to go. And we obviously got Sterling um, during the first sort of spate of good fixtures, bought him after the explosion against Luton, did nothing and sold him uh, before the, the next explosion against Burnley, I think it was. Yeah. Um, uh, and other, other than that, I, I feel like it's been a case that we've learned that in some cases it's, it's very important to sort of trust your eyes. So 
I know those people wouldn't like that. Um, but the data, the data is obviously singing for Chelsea. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's very notable that they're second for Team XG. I think if you ask somebody who wasn't as au fait or as into it as this nerd Varna stuff as we are, um, th- this wouldn't even be a thing. Um, but I, I think if you look at it and you think, okay, um, Chelsea's data is really good, then surely we'd be looking at buying attacking players from them. Um, and maybe, you know, Nkunku will kind of come across our desks again as, as a player who's going to be of interest. But as you said, lots of other examples of forwards who'd be, you'd be more interested in buying in, at least first of all being Haaland. Mm-hmm. And other than that, I think it is kind of, I think it shows the importance of kind of being quite integrative with everything. Because even if, um, you know, you are an analytics only person, I, I suspect you've only got Cole Palmer, maybe, you know, like a Colwell or Gusto or something like that. Um, but I don't think that you'd be particularly excited about Chelsea in terms of FPL prospects. I think that kind of is is, is kind of writ large by the fact that their performances don't quite seem yet um, to be sort of, apart from kind of individual ones like Palmer recently, don't mm-hmm. quite seem to be yet a, a case where we're kind of all flocking to, to kind of triple up. So I think it's just the importance of, uh, especially a team in transition, quote unquote, a very young team in Chelsea's case. I think they they are the youngest sort of net age in the division. Um, I'm pretty sure it's at Burnley a second, of Burnley and, and us Arsenal. Um, but all these factors sort of combine in kind of perhaps being cautious um, in a situation like, like a team, with a team like Chelsea, I guess. Um, and it was quite a kind of a good thing to probably give it time at the start of the season. And even now, I think just being wary if you're looking to buy in players. I mean, Gusto, great enabler. Uh, Cole, mm-hmm. Cole uh, Palmer, great enabler. But other than that, I think that that's kind of it. And, and I think we can kind of give a player like Nkunku a bit of time before we kind of jump in there. Yeah, completely agreed. Um, I think in terms of Chelsea, Cole Palmer is the obviously the main poster boy at the moment. And, and beyond that, everyone else's differential. Yeah, I agree with the gusto shout um, as well. Um, but obviously, we're just a little bit nervous about minutes moving forward. But I, he should be OK, really. He should be first choice for right back. But yeah, I, I'm more than happy to um, have a look at the third team in the table if you want to. Yeah, and it's Newcastle, um, whose XG has improved um, since last time it looked at this game week 12, so they're up, up to third overall, and they're fifth then. Uh, Gordon has made his way up the table as well, 9.5, yep. um, 11. I think a lot of that must be attributable to that. They were definitely over the Christmas period, and forgive me, my mind's been scrambled because there's so much football going on. But there must have been, I think there were two occasions in two t- separate games where uh, there was a shot blocked on the line or something like that, which has definitely sort of contributed to it. But what is really noticeable about Newcastle is the drop-off in XGC, which is dramatic. Yeah. It really is. They're 15th overall now. And last time I looked at this, they were third. Um, so it, it's been really kind of attritional, <laughs> attritional, catastrophic losses in terms of that over the last little while. Um, and it's, it's been kind of, it's not been good at all, really. Um, so um, I think this happens with teams, especially when they're kind of, battling with um, the fighting wars on multiple fronts, whereas last year they were in a slog for um, just one thing, uh, which was um, trying to get into the Champions League. Um, obviously got to the um, Carling Cup final as well, et cetera, et cetera. But they were like the Spurs and like what we thought the Chelsea could be last year when they didn't have the constant competitions, but did have the heft of players, a good manager, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I don't know, I, I think that, you know, I've, I didn't, after selling Trippier finally a little while ago, I didn't. I know you kind of you bought the sales back, um, but I, I just know I, apart from kind of one or two occasions, um, I didn't. I didn't really get properly punished for not mm. having one of their defenders. 
And I kind of felt felt a while ago that they just didn't look like a team um, that I wanted to invest in defensively. Um, obviously, you've got a goalkeeper who's stopping everything that our FPL assets throw at him. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's been a very tr- kind of testing, trying period. And they're a team especially who I think, and I think we'll talk about this with Blackwater next week, are really going to be needing that little break. Um also got Man City next, uh, followed by Villa. So two tough games to come. So maybe it's a case of don't buy, don't sell. Or maybe if you've got Trippier and that's a way to Trent, then maybe you would sell. But after that in 23, they come up against Luton, Forest, Bournemouth in quick succession. And those that's a period, especially before the Champions League kicks off, I think in early March. Um, that's a period when you'll probably be looking to get another one potentially i mean i yeah. think both of us are probably going to be keeping gordon for the time being especially given the fact the underlying data is good and um, if you watch him play as well he did look really really out of gas um it's got to be said against liverpool as did the whole team but he, he especially i was watching him closely as a as someone i someone who benched him um but in general um interesting team a team that has been afflicted by the fact that they've been fighting multiple on multiple fronts as i said and just not really had the personnel i mean really interesting to see if they, what if uh, if anything, they do in the transfer window. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, Gordon is an interesting question. I think until this week, people were looking at potentially even selling him. His ownership has dropped quite dramatically in terms of effective ownership in and around our ranks over the last few weeks. So unquestionably, people have been getting rid and he's still got two tough fixtures to come so Man City Aston Villa so there is still a question there but I think again a bit like Cole Palmer the data is still good enough that you probably hold on to him unless you've got absolutely no fires elsewhere and I think considering the fact that we do now expect Newcastle to recover a little bit they will have the break they've got much much fewer games on the horizon because they're out of Europe altogether as, as you say so hopefully we'll start to see a Newcastle that resembles the one that we saw last season, a bit more defensively stable, a lot more aggressive with the press, very um, disciplined and determined to run down their opponents at any given moment and really get in their faces. And Gordon is a massive part of why that works. When he's fit and firing, he's pressing them high. He's the one putting in very high figures in terms of the running distance and the amount of sprints, that kind of thing. So him being fully fit again, I think will really help them, as as will the rest of the team, obviously. But having few or zero Newcastle assets for at least the next couple of weeks, I wouldn't I wouldn't bat an eyelid over. I think that's absolutely fine. As you said, the XGC has fallen off a cliff recently. There are good reasons why. We've kind of noted them already, but it's important to have a look at what that could mean moving forwards. And to be honest, I think that that number will start to rebalance out and we'll start to see the Newcastle of old a little bit more in the second half of the season, given the factors we've discussed. So, yeah, by by the time, is it game week 23? I think their fixtures yep, turned to be mentioned. Um, I wouldn't be too worried about having Gordon specifically, but also then maybe a Botman or something as a, as a cheap defensive enabler might not be a bad idea. Not not fully convinced on Trippier at the moment. I think he personally has, obviously there's yeah. a lot a lot going on there that we won't, we won't discuss. Um, but I think he's someone that maybe I would avoid, but given his price, I think most of it, his attacking returns were jammed into that three or four game week period. So he's someone that maybe for the time being, I'll just give a watching brief to. And then if he's starting to look his old self again, um, obviously there's an injury doubt at the moment as well. 
um, then maybe I'll consider him moving forwards. But for the time being, because Trent's yeah. looking grid option, that kind of rules Trippier out of contention for me anyway. Certainly. So, so what have we learned here? I think for me, it's actually the importance of timing in FPL a little bit. Um, so I spooled him back to game week nine when I sold Tri- uh, Son over selling Trippier. Mm-hmm. It kind of felt like already we were beginning to see this sort of disintegration of the solidity at the back for Newcastle because of the, the injuries mounting as well. Which we yeah, they were stretched. But I think we were touching on that a little bit with the, with the fitness of their squad. And I think that you know th- th- there's maybe a time with with kind of these sorts of teams, especially ones that are fighting multiple fronts, where it is a good time to kind of say, you know what, I'm going to take my points and run. Um, you know, thanks so much, uh, Kieran, but you know, I'm out of here. Um, so long and cheers for all the fish. Um, and I think that that's kind of something that maybe I should have considered a bit more. Um, yes, there's kind of obviously ultra loyalty uh, where some things are considered, but when you're looking at the kind of the underlying data, which did come from, I mean, they were performing very strongly last time we looked at this in terms of the XGC. Um, but if you integrate that again with what you're seeing in terms of you know the highlights or watching the games and also seeing what happens with the personnel and kind of seeing with the performances as well, things like, as you said, the pressure's dropping off and things like that in mm-hmm. terms of the press. These factors should all probably combine in kind of making you feel a bit more um a bit more comforted, I suppose, in, in jumping off players a little bit earlier. Um, and maybe it's kind of a case with Newcastle, especially, that it was good. It would have been better. It would have been quite good to, and it's, it's impossible to do. Um, but I guess it reaffirms the importance sometimes of, of timing. Um, mm-hmm. A player like Gordon, great price. Um, you know, I, I, as you said, I've got no problem if someone kind of sees, spots an opportunity to go with, I don't know, Pascal Gross or um, something like that, or Bonanotte at Brighton. We'll talk about them in a minute. A really good fixture is coming up. And then getting back to him later because he's so cheap, it's, you know, you might as well. Um, but equally, kind of just a nice kind of 12th man as well. And um, yeah, importance of timing, I think, is what Newcastle have kind of shown. And also, kind of in future, just kind of bearing that in mind with a team that is newly in constant competitions um, and also has sort of, you know, a thin squads relatively, especially if there are key injuries. Yeah, absolutely. Very well summarised. Um, shall we have a look at Man City then, who are, I think, the next team down on the XG rank? Obviously, Haaland is unquestionably top uh, of their XGI overall, but it is second overall to Salah at 14.8. Um, so any uh, keynotes that you want to take us off with on Man City? Well, I think the story is that they've had a really good Christmas period through not doing anything. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. You've, you've let everyone else mess up. <laughs> exactly. I mean, other than arguably Liverpool, um, everyone else has kind of fluffed their lines, especially Arsenal. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Liverpool drawing with Man United, potentially one uh, where they'd be looking at that game again, especially with the amount of shots they had and thinking, well, we probably should have got some points there. And Arsenal game, 1-1 is good for both teams. Uh, that's Liverpool, that is. Um, but yeah, Arsenal not being able to capitalise um, and everything like that has meant the City come, come out of this kind of looking like <laughs> smelling of roses, really, and not losing any key players to AFCOM um, too. And OK, it was Sheffield United, um, but they were really purring and in the last game as well against Everton especially in the second half it just felt like something had clicked and we've spoken about this a little bit Sam in terms of my hopium about about Phil Foden and um, kind of just I kind of seen him for a couple of games um, and I thought you know I'd seen enough especially second half versus Everton and it made me kind of wonder whether playing Foden in the 10 is kind of this year's John Stones being moved into the inverted sort of thing, where there's like kind of the key, the key sort of little tweak he makes, uh, which means City are going to uh, gun it at home. But I think 
the consensus wherever you look is that yeah city are going to now put together like a, a very very nice run of kind of 10 12 kind of wins and that will be that really so an outsourced new uh, an outsourced newcastle next but they obviously that's uh, in the first half as well um, of the the split game week so they wouldn't have had the kind of the break they would have got um, if it was the second half. Um, and then Burnley in 22, Brentford in 23, Everton in 24, and then Chelsea and Bournemouth. Um, so, I mean, all fixtures which Newcastle, uh, that City will be kind of seeing as eminently winnable and no doubt will be won by City um, as the machine kind of keeps going. And I suspect that, you know, because it's an early part of the kind of the, the split game week most people who can buy Hall and back will be buying Hall and back if it's pronounced fit especially if Newcastle's kind of ongoing defensive woes so yeah um a, a team I think that um potentially you've still always always got kind of the pet roulette sort of fear that kind of goes around a little bit and we are with Hall and back trying to fit in kind of Alvarez Doku if he's back, back as well fit Grealish Bernardo Silva, Foden, et cetera, et cetera, into kind of a, that attack. Um, but yeah, a, a team that I suspect are going to kind of come to prominence after being maybe quite a convenient team to forget, uh, given the price of certainly Haaland over the Christmas period with his injury. And um, yes, uh, it, uh, maybe we're going to see a return to the Haaland captaincy supremacy. Um, what do you think about Man City? Yeah, so the first point is um, Haaland probably will become the the bus team captain most weeks now with Salah and Son both gone because they were putting up the numbers to compete with him. Um, but obviously this switch over with them both going and Haaland coming back um, kind of make, makes that a bit of a, a mute point for now. Um, and then the second question, I guess, is this whole Phil Foden thing. So obviously you make a very good point about him moving to the central role on a personal note. I would love him to stay there because I think he's he's absolutely brilliant there. It's just whether or not he stays there. And I think because Man City just have so many players, especially Alvarez as well, who will need to drop back to that that kind of position, it's whether or not um they've got they've got the space for him to stay there every single week. He might be playing well enough there that they just find a way to make it work and he just stays in that position at which point FPL wise he becomes gold dust because he's involved in absolutely everything they do when he plays there and Man City as well like you mentioned look phenomenal um however in in our eyes that that might be one thing and and in Pep's eyes he might notice something that's not quite right or he might he might mix it up again because because he sees something that we mere mortals just simply don't so it's always hard to tell but I think Foden regardless of whether he plays central or not is going to get extremely good minutes now I think we're finally in that season that we knew would eventually come but we're never sure when um that he's actually going to become one of their key men 90 minutes most weeks and he's almost one of the first names on the team sheet now so mm. barring the odd rest and i do mean rest rather than rotation <laughs> or i think he survived the christmas party season this year so that's good uh, yep. he's got that no outlandish chicks back to his hotel room yeah exactly yeah all pure speculation of course we're wdta have no idea about that um but uh <laughs> but all of that aside <laughs> all of that aside Hopefully, we've finally got a player now that is consistently getting 90 minutes in the, one of the best attacks in the league. 
and his data is improving week on week whilst he's in that central role. So he's definitely very appealing to me, especially with two midfield slots opening up in our teams. He could be one that um, it, it becomes increasingly popular over the next few weeks. Certainly. And defensive wise, um, mm-hmm. obviously a bit of a minefield and you're not really seeing the consistency really with the defender with the defense similar to Arsenal, who we'll touch on in imminently, actually. Um just not seeing that consistency. You are seeing Carl Walker start every single game. Um but the clean sheets aren't really coming, are they? Yes, I know they just kept clean sheet against Sheffield United, but there we go. Um, as we spoke about last year, um, a little bit for longer term listeners, there's definitely that kind of thing where there's if there's XGC per eighty, they're through the yeah. roof. If it's kind of XGC for per final ten minutes per slight kind of concentration lapse, they're not quite there. So I don't know. Even though the XGC is obviously really good for City, it always is. Um, we're kind of it's kind of uh, the cityitis of the past isn't quite there, but it is there in terms of them kind of being able to keep those clean sheets. So one where I, I think due to the prices, due to kind of the current climate, due to the rotatability of a lot of their assets, like even you know, Ruben, Ruben Diaz, who in the past we'd have kind of picked out as being just the, the steady Eddie go-to, uh, didn't play against Everton, got 22 minutes off the bench against Sheffield United, um, you know, Aki, Akanji, all these sort of players are hanging around, but you, you don't really want to be going there just because there's the rotation risk. And are you really going to be buying Edison? No. 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 <laughs> don't no, just, I've been burned too many times. I think yeah. everyone has. Um, yeah, yeah the, da- the data is good, but there's very little attacking upside for any of those defenders. And if they are making one mistake a game in that lapse of concentration when the game's already won um, and they're conceding one a game through that, then there's very little benefit in having a City defender. At some point, they'll string together three or four clean sheets on the bounce, but you never know when that's going to be. And by that time, they're 30, 40 points behind their FPL uh, rivals in terms of their price points. So uh, for now, at the very least, I'm, I'm more than happy to swerve. So what have we learned? I think it's still kind of evolving, I think, for City. For a lot of the time in the season, it has been a story of just having Holland in and forgetting about it. And you can see it through kind of quite analogue stuff. So their goals per 90, for example, they're not top for XG per 90 and XG overall as a team. They're top for goals per 90 by a significant margin, 2.32 goals per 90 versus Liverpool's two and Aston Villa as well on two. And a lot of that is still down to Haaland's. Yes, it's not been kind of last year, everything he touches turns to goal. And there have been a few sort of notable frustrating blanks, um, especially I'm thinking of the Bournemouth game where it's up at half time, still kind of high in the memory. So it's mm. a game versus Wolves as well, um, where he, where he got he didn't he blanked as he blanked too. Um, but yes, um, I think he, when he comes back, I think we'll, we'll return to the Holland um, perma captain sort of situation. I think a lot of the time, um, his ownership has obviously halved, um, but I think that it will be kind of rocketing back up in short order and especially because i suppose um you know at the start of the season he, his ownership was so high that it wasn't really going to go anywhere in terms of the price and um, but now because it has kind of fallen off a little bit i wouldn't be surprised to see it kind of rise quite a bit it's 53 percent owned i think the other day um at least it was over 50 but at the start of the season it's kind of 80 90 percent and if it gets mm. to those levels again which i'm sure it will especially before before the burnley game you're looking at that kind of getting up to kind of you know, 70 80 percent magnitude i suspect you may all see him Rise in price as well, so I suspect it will be kind of an auto buy for many of us if he's past fit for Newcastle. But yeah, um, I don't know if we've learned um, particularly much about City that we didn't know about before, um, but hopefully we are going to learn that Phil Foden is a must for everyone. Uh, Arsenal next, Sam. 
Yeah, so, doing well. Um, doing okay. Um, in terms of the defensive side, that is still top for XGC. Um, offensively as well. Um, even though there have been a few kind of questions, <laughs> fifth for Team XG up from seventh last time we looked at it. Um, so still stodgy, uh, still controlling the games. Um, it's not disgracia, but it's not fantastic. And Saka is actually up as well in terms of uh, non-penetrative overall, um, up in eighth at ten point seven. But it has been a very testing period um, for us um, as Arsenal fans and uh, FPL owners of Arsenal players as well. Um, and I think that. For, it kind of goes between is Mikel um, consciously following a route of making sure that we've got money, we've got cash in the bank, uh, fuel in the tank uh, for the second half of the season, or is it basically the, the fact that the fact that you've got a broadly similar group of players, um, but they aren't quite doing what they did last year? So does it boil down to the fact that Kai Havertz isn't Granite Shaka and uh, Ramsdale um, has, has somehow just not quite replicated? been replicated by right I, I don't really understand what's really going on there I've, I've read a lot of stuff and i've been watching a lot of our games and i still don't really, really know what's going on whether it's no tactical direction or missing something or other <laughs> but yes um frustrating um that's for sure um but still with decent ish fi- fixtures to come crystal palace next uh Nottingham forest away liverpool at home west ham away burnley away and then newcastle at home over the next six uh, so nothing that's kind of too concerning uh, liverpool at home is, is obviously a, a big game and um, but a game that i probably wouldn't be too worried about there being goals in um i mean for, for me sam uh the, the questions i suppose are i've got the last on defense I'm going to have to keep them, I think, at this point, because I've got other fish to fry. Um, do I buy Saka? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know about Saka in particular. Obviously, the data's good, and I think a lot of people will maybe avoid him now because of the, the lack of returns over the last few game weeks. Even this week, the, the return he did get was arguably quite fortunate. Obviously, he got himself into the right place for the rebound, but... Um, it was itself quite a fortunate return. But the data, even outside of that, has actually still looked really good, if not um, increasingly better and better week in, week out. He's getting more shots. I think he's doubled his frequency of shots per match um, since the first eight game weeks. So he, he is starting to tick over a little bit nicer. The games that I have seen, he's been cutting inside quite a lot more as well. So there, there are signs, there are little green shoots, but I think generally speaking having watched Arsenal as a non-fan whenever I am doing, it does yeah. seem like that it's quite formulaic in the way that they build up their attacks at the moment. And yeah. may, maybe there's maybe there's more of a conservative formulaic approach. Maybe it's a little bit more pedestrian. They're taking just an extra touch, an extra step. The the velocity of the passing is just, has just come down a couple of notches. And it's not making them a bad team by any means. They're still obviously doing very well in terms of, well, specifically the XGC, but the XG rank is still not terrible by any means. But maybe maybe there is something to be said for the fact that they are conserving a little bit of energy for a second half of the season push. But maybe also they're lacking just a little bit of imagination in their attacking build-up play. They're afraid yeah. to do something that isn't already in their on their tactics boards. And that they're, they're not being imaginative enough with these with these different moves and I think they've got a lot of very talented players who are more than capable of doing that it's just whether or not they're being let off the leash and whether they're just like readings from a from a tactics book every single week and we have to build up in this exact way yeah 
Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing them just almost being let loose and just without tactics yeah. for a week, just go out and do do whatever you want and see if it pays off. But Saka's data is still good. He should be on the majority of penalties. I think he's first option on them. Um, I hate to bang the same drum every single week on him, but I, I still quite like him as an option. The data is one of the best in terms of the midfielders in the league at the moment. And with with Salah and Son both out for a few weeks, he's probably the next rung down from them that I just say, if you've got the money, you might as well just cover that off. I wouldn't say he's a, a must-buy. He's certain, certainly not essential and you might be able to find better value elsewhere. But I, I think it's it's a safer bet to presume that he's going to keep ticking over quite well and maybe even get the odd double-digit return because we know the quality of the player and we know the underlying quality of the team when they really get in their groove. And I think I prefer to bet on the idea of them getting back to that than to bet on them continuing to be pedestrian, continuing to be too cautious because we've seen what they are capable of. And I think now is an opportunity because a lot of managers who don't have him already are getting rid of Salah, are getting rid of Son. You can get to him easily without having to worry that much. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I definitely wouldn't say he's a must-buy, but he's certainly, certainly a player that I wouldn't be shunning just because he's not quite hit the heights in the last few game weeks in terms of outcome that the XG and XGI would um, would suggest he should have been doing. Yeah, I think you're right about the system. It's very much kind of like you're just hoping the system scores, or if not, Saka does something. You know, yeah. At the moment, Martinelli obviously not the race at all. As I found to my very, very, very strong chagrin, um, and it's 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 definitely been a trying period. But yes, I think hopefully the Fulham game will be a bit of a watershed moment, and there will be some adjustments made um, as we head into the second half of the season. Yeah, defensively, as you said, been solid, um, but. Falling prey to Cityitis a bit as well. And yeah, it's been kind of individual areas or one or two moments where things haven't really quite gone our way. Um, heads haven't exactly gone, um, but the Bobby <laughs> Reed goal is a really good example where there's a, no one will take indecisive action. Um, and a lot of this has been playing unlucky as well, to be honest. Mm. Um, yeah, so yeah, overall, what have we learned? Well, we've learned that they've def- uh, Arsenal have definitely kind of continued. Um, where we left off really um from last year um a lot of it was just due to calendar and that we looked like we were going to win it but that's just man city had so many games in the bag um effectively and to give a true reflection of it um but have continued the team's been built well it's just that at the moment offensively it's not really quite bringing home the bacon and um, but i share your optimism sam i think that we definitely will um kind of adjust um going forward and hopefully um we will see um teams um begin to be put to the sword a little bit more um and yeah i agree with you as well on on saka and not being a kind of a must and but a player that you might if if you're like me and don't own most people do um that you might as well just cover off because the fixtures are good enough and the impetus i think will be there too especially after kind of a little bit of a break and yeah got the fa cup but a bit of a break before the premier league resumes with that game against palace uh, on the 20th of jam Cool. Fantastic. So shall we move on to, I think it's sixth in the list now. So we might have to start hurrying up a little bit before we go into like a three hour pod, but uh, yep. Villa next up, um, it's sixth in the list for XG. Obviously Watkins 
um, topping their ranks at 13.2 non-penalty XGI, third overall. Uh, What's your first assessment on Villa so far? Obviously, very impressive start to the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, So down, actually, in terms of the XG rank uh, from fourth Mm -hmm. to sixth. uh, We were raving about them a little bit. um, And it's been quite a difficult period. Um, I definitely felt in the Burnley game uh, they looked a bit tired i think that yeah. we're, we're, we're tired as fpl managers so god knows what it must be like for the players and <laughs> um, but actually see and um, they've improved and um, so up from seventh to fifth and um, doing okay there and yeah overall just a really good outfit a really interesting outfit and um, a team who are benefiting i think from um other teams not really being at the races this year uh, especially looking at chelsea and um, and also having a very good manager and next few fixtures are okay um so everton away and uh, newcastle at home and sheffield united away in 23 uh, 24 25 26 united fulham and nottingham forest so again decent fixtures to come uh, really for those guys um i don't really have much um other than kind of Watkins on my agenda. I don't mind, you know, buying a defender. Um, Alex Marino, uh, particularly, probably be one that you'd be looking at as a kind of offensive one. Um, so, in, in the vein of us looking at offensive defenders this year, more often than not, he'd one you'd be looking at. You've got Concer and you've got uh, Powell, and, or maybe Martinez as kind of the steady eddies um, at the back. Um, but it, it does really kind of feel like a bit of kind of Watkins season, really, uh, for them. Um, Douglas Louise has obviously been quite consistent as well. And so when you can kind of stick in, especially if you need sort of a Gordon-esque sort of style enabler around the five and a half million sort of mark. So FPL-wise, um, been yeah, we, we've had our travails with Ollie Watkins, that's for sure. Maybe we should have just left, loved him and left him, really, as the, as the kind of the underlying XGI uh, kind of pings out. Uh, but yeah, overall, I think, you know, they've really surprised us, haven't they, in terms of their league yeah. position. And that's been that's been kind of drawn out, wrought out in the data as well. Yeah, completely. I don't have a, a whole lot to add on to that. I think most of us can probably um, do one and one makes two for Watkins. He's been fantastic, obviously overperforming, but still, even without that overperformance, he'd be incredible value for money. The one player I'd like to chuck into the ring here a little bit um, is Leon Bailey, whose underlying data has been absolutely sensational for the minutes he has got. 11 attacking returns FPL-wise already this season, and he's ticking along at a non-pen, or sorry, an XGI. I I don't think it's non-pen, but he doesn't take pens. Um, But an XGI rating of very, very similar to Saka at about 0.7. So he is ticking along very nicely, obviously very well-priced, and he is probably in the best form he's ever been in since signing for Villa. Emery is really getting the best out of him. And if he continues to start games, which I think he is going to do, um, he could be fantastic value for money. But really, that's all I wanted to add, just as a a bit of a differential option to capitalise on Villa's um, quite exceptional performance overall so far. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I know that Mark uh, Mark Southerns, the old godfather, has gone there. I think James McPadden yeah. went there as well. Um, so, yeah, a player that I think last year there was a lot of fuss about, especially at the start of the season. Um, so it's good to kind of see him do well. Bit of a foot manager legend as well, Leon Bailey. Yeah. Um, worth, worth buying. He was at Leverkusen before, wasn't he? So we could get he him was. fairly cheap. Uh, yeah, good player. So, yeah, what have we learned? You can be surprised by any team um, and a lot of the time as well, it's just worth paying attention to the long-term sort of vibes as well because I think they were, they were top overall for the calendar year of 2023 in terms of points scored. Um, I think a lot of, and I, I think next year it'll be interesting to keep an eye on them, uh, especially if they do kind of strengthen, I don't know if they're looking strengthen January, 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 January,
if they do become a Champions League club, um, have stability. And Emery, um, from reading the Athletic, has got um, his uh, his kind of guys in there in terms of the management sort of side of things, and everything sort of hunky dory in terms of the hierarchy, which again can't be understated in terms of establishing a good club. Um, and I think that that's going to be something that I think is going to pay dividends. Um, very settled team. Uh, Watkins next year, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up kind of nine plus maybe even kind of 9.510 if he kind of keeps up the consistency. Um, yeah, it'd, be, it'd be really interesting to see what, what happens this year. But FPL-wise, yeah, it is kind of one or two players here or there, but definitely kind of Watkins looks like kind of one of those players you just kind of love and leave. Uh, Spurs next, um, and I think that they're uh, a really fascinating one. It's just because, uh, similar to Newcastle, there's been this sort of fall <laughs> in terms of the XGC. So XG-wise, doing well, even though you know, despite the injuries, um, up from ninth to seventh in terms of XG rank. Uh, Son, who's now departed, uh, top for their team in terms of uh, non pen XGI overall. Um, he's sixth overall in terms of all players. Uh, but XGC, they're actually down 18th. Um, so <laughs> and, you know, the likes of Fulham, Forest, uh, for Burnley <laughs> have got better XGC than they do. I think that is kind of squarely down to probably one of the worst injury crises I've ever seen uh, in terms mm. of uh, in terms of a team losing key men left right and center and I can't think of a team really that's lost kind of both first choice center backs as well as losing kind of you know the, the key creative force in Madison and further depleted of course by Sar and Basuma going away to Afcon it's 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 uh, definitely one where we're going to have to think a little bit more about it, whether you want to add to owning Pedro Porro, who probably is going to stay in our teams just by dint of the fact we've got other fish to fry, basically. Um, but yes, uh, interesting side, very exciting side to watch in terms of the eye. Um, but the X, XGC data in particular makes me worry <laughs> owning Porro that I'm I'm just there for the attack and return. That's all we're there for, isn't it, Sam? Yeah, I mean, you are, definitely. He might luck out and get a clean sheet once in a blue moon, and that day will be the day he finally gets that double-digit haul that he's so far been um, alluding to, but never quite delivering on that promise. But he is exceptional going forward. He's getting shots at a higher rate than any other defender, I believe, as well. So, yeah, I, I think he stays in by just basically virtue of the fact that no other defenders are really putting their hands up enough to make you need to sell him at this point. Um, and then obviously Son will be a big miss um, going forwards, but perhaps someone like Richarlison can fill that gap. Obviously he's filled the centre forward gap with Son being pushed back out wide and he has actually done really well in the last few weeks. So perhaps he will end up being very good value for money if he can consistently get 90 minutes, which I think he was just struggling with another little back injury in the last couple of weeks. So he hasn't really been able to consistently get those full 90 minute matches um, for, for a couple of weeks. But possibly there are still options moving forward. So they become less appealing without Son in the side. Obviously, they're less appealing with all, without all of those other players that you've already mentioned as well anyway. So I certainly wouldn't be buying any defenders outside of Poro. If you've already got him, you probably hold. And attacking-wise, outside of Richarlison, and that's probably at a stretch considering the amount of other attacking options there are, um, then maybe you could give them a swerve. Yeah, akin to Liverpool, I think you're probably okay to just watch and wait and see what happens. I mean, I can see why people are buying Richarlison, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, um, he's probably the exception to the rule there. Yeah, I had a very like, decent 
period of five goals in five games, I think it is. Yeah, so good. Brendan Johnson, if you're looking for an enabler again, uh, you fancy Spurs' fixtures coming up. You're nice of the way. Next, Brentford, Everton, Brighton, Wolves. Um, If you fancy that, then then sure, it makes a lot of sense. But if you are setting Son, um, I don't know whether you'd be kind of rushing to replace with a player from the same team um, at the moment. Um, and I think that that's kind of where it is. I think we kind of have the, if you do own Poro, that probably is kind of, you're probably going to keep, stay there. As, as Sam said, there is kind of the double digit hall uh, kind of always lurking and he's got obviously the enhanced creative responsibility. Um, but then again, um, are we really going to be kind of adding to that? I don't think so at the moment. So what have we learned over the final first half of the season? Well, I think you know, the moment Son did kind of, moved to that central role. I think we all went there. I think at the start of this year, we were all a bit sort of down on Son just because of what happened last year. And he got the massive price cut to boot commensurate with Rashford's the year before. Um, and he emerged as being kind of a bit of a must-own. Idiots like me sold him um, and are still paying the price for that now. I did buy him back quite quickly, which is quite good. Um, but, you know, there we go. Um, for them, um, it's definitely kind of, again, shows the value of picking up players from teams, especially if they're attack-minded in terms of the management style, um, that don't have the extra continental kind of competitions to worry about. And I think that that's going to be something that we're going to be applying across whatever happens next year as well. So you know, if a team like Newcastle or whatever don't get into the Champions League, um, or Chelsea indeed, or almost definitely won't, United definitely won't, um, that would be, again, a team that we're really interested in buying players from, especially if you know we, there is a, a change in manager, especially at United, and um, with all those sort of um, uh, interesting attacking talents that are there. Um, so yeah, for, for Spurs, I think it's a good lesson for FPL managers in terms of the... Uh, I guess the excitement that can come uh, from a team just exclusively focusing on the league. Yeah, absolutely. Very well summarised. And uh, I think we can probably move on to number eight, is it, on the list, which is Brentford. Yeah, who maybe, 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 let's, maybe let's put let's put Brentford and Brighton together. I know that they're chairman yeah, of each other, but they're both equal in terms of team XG um, mm-hmm. at the moment. I've, I, I only did that off, basically. Basically, um, no, no disrespect to, to Brighton. Um, so yeah, eight, so eighth um, overall, both of them in terms of Team XG. Um, contrasting fortunes, though, in terms of the XG rank, um, maybe due to injuries for Brentford, or definitely to injuries for Brentford. And Bumo, um, eight put eight point nine. Um, for XG uh, team uh, for player XGI that is, um, he only added 0.6 XGI since game week twelve. That's because he's been injured, um, down from eighth to fourteenth. Um, and uh, for Brighton, uh, you've got Gross taking over from Matoma, but again. We saw that like, kind of last time we looked at this, that Brighton don't really seem to have a designated talisman. What is interesting though, Sam, and something that I had to double check and you double checked as well on my behalf, mm-hmm. is that Brentford are actually fourth for XGC. And yeah. from eighth to fourth, which is which is quite mind-boggling really given how it's gone recently. Um, but I suppose it's kind of something you'd expect, I guess, given kind of the deficiencies they've got. And I don't know, um, it's almost like they need one big player to come back. Um, and kind of do the business for them. Can you think of who might come back for Brentford? Who might you know, change FPL or at least be a figure in it? Uh, I, I wouldn't bet on it. Um, but yeah, so Ivan Tony is going to obviously come back to um, the team in game week 21. Um, he obviously, we all know, is incredibly talented. Their XG data is still good enough that I'd expect them to create a lot of chances for him anyway. It's just whether or not he's sort of, fit and firing and at his 
at his full pomp coming into game week 21 after such a such a long time out. I think he's played a few friendlies behind closed doors, that kind of thing. But um, obviously, we don't know what he's going to be like. However, if he is anywhere near his full potential, he's going to be a very interesting option. Obviously, Brentford will have a double at some point uh, later on in the season. We think that will be potentially sooner rather than later, but obviously no confirmation on that as it stands. If um, if they do get a double, Tony is definitely going to be interesting. Um, and Buemo also semi-interesting um, when uh, that is announced, if he is back by that point. But it is crucial to note that Tony with Tony in the side and Buemo becomes much less of a talisman for them. So you kind of replace the non-penalty XGI that Mbwemo's had so far this season with Tony a little bit and probably adds an extra 25% or or so because of the quality of the striker. So, yeah, I I think Brentford defensively, I think maybe you could look at a fourth defender in in your FPL teams, maybe a a, a rotation defender like Pinnock or something. Um, But moving forwards, if you're brave and you want to have, have a bit of a differential, then Tony... I'm very interested in over the next few weeks as a as quite a, a wide angle differential to um, be banking on for the for the foreseeable future if he stays at Brentford, which I think he probably will um, until the summer at the least. Well, what the book? No, no, that's not. <laughs> We've already done one of those. Yeah, interesting, <laughs> interesting. Um, yeah, one that you've got to keep an eye on Brentford, I suppose. Um, I think they'll be absolutely fine. Um, I'm not sure I'll be rushing to them in terms of assets, uh, but Tony definitely should kind of appear on the horizon. Uh, one team though, uh, Brighton, um, are going to be on. Maybe if you're looking at the fixture ticker, at least, um, people's horizons uh, haven't managed to score against West Ham tonight um, thus far. No, about two minutes to go, Ariel is on six, uh, seven saves and 11 points, point Sam. Now. So that's that's not great. Um, but yeah. yes, uh, Brighton have got the kindest looking fixture schedule up until kind of the start of March. Um, really, really good uh, run. Wolves, Luton, Crystal Palace, Spurs, Sheffield United, Everton, Fulham and Nottingham Forest. Problem is, where the, where the hell do you go? Uh, Est opinion, back fit, playing tonight, uh, probably one that you'd be looking at. In midfield, season. <laughs> yeah, indeed, they've, they've done it, they've done it. Um, Jao Pedro, um, he's probably going to be playing a lot with the absence of Matoma, Adingra, March, Andrew Fatty, etc., etc., and so on and so on. And Pascal Gross, probably as well, who's kind of currently their team XGI kind of talisman. Um, should be getting interest, Sam. Um, no. European competition to worry about until kind of you know quite a few game weeks in future. Is it one um, that you're looking at bringing in at any point? Because I think that you know they are a team that have managed to kind of just about continue where they were last year, despite the extra sort of uh, responsibilities uh, in terms of the underlying data. But FPL wise, their luster, their appeal has definitely gone. Yeah, I think it is the fact that they're lacking that that central option that we could rely on. Matoma, we thought, might become that. Obviously, hasn't really anyway this season. And then injury issues have come in. Uh, Asia Cup also would factor in, even if he wasn't injured. Um, Gross could be interesting, but I would worry about who he's creating for at the moment. There's not a million options. Obviously, Evan Ferguson, incredibly talented but somehow isn't getting decent minutes. Joao Pedro, also talented, but again, inconsistent. So it's whether or not they've got the depth to deal without the likes of Matoma and Adingra as well for the next few weeks. Um, Gross 
himself is is a, a decent option. Um, it's just whether or not, because he's more reliant on the creativity rather than the goal scoring himself, has he got the people around him to actually put the ball in the back of the net and and help him actually achieve um, the points and the outcome based on the data that he, he's generating at the moment? I'm I'm not so sure that he would be top of my list at the moment for midfielder replacements, given those factors. But we know that Brighton are good going forwards. They will always create chances. It's it's just whether or not he's going to be as explosive as maybe some other options who are more goal-scoring heavy and have other creative players around them that can help put them in the, uh, put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, yeah. So I guess... We've got, we've got to move on. We've got to speed yeah. up. Yes, uh, I, I agree. I agree. Interesting. I guess we, we've learned that um, still it's, it's, they're quite dispersed in terms of their overall sort of talismanship um, and don't buy their defenders because apart from tonight, um, when we need them to score, um, they need, probably need them to concede. Well, they need them to concede, but they need them to do something. They've not been able to do that. And they're, not able to, they're not conceded either. So I don't know, maybe this is the start of a run, Sam. Um, do like Estepinian, just as a general sort of wild card kind of re-entry into yeah. the team. Um, in a, in a season it's... where no defenders are keeping clean sheets anyway, he's got all the yeah. attacking prep. So yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, two FPL-relevant teams mostly coming up, uh, Everton and Man United. Um, mm-hmm. Both kind of staying roughly where they were in terms of the team XG. XG. And staying where they were in terms of the team SGC. In fact, most of these teams coming up are staying there. Um, because as FPL relevant, I think we're kind of we're going to have to speed through them a little bit now. Um, but I, I think both these teams have, have kind of well, Everton performed really well. Obviously, dealing with the uh, the points penalty, um, but kind of are where you kind of expect them to be potentially. Um, especially after kind of a few decent performances. Yes, I've had a couple of kind of very difficult um uh, results uh, recently uh but man united it's obviously very sad to see them where they are uh, but they're not that far off really uh seventh overall um, and i think it's kind of i don't know the shades of late dog days of ollie really uh, where there's false storms and kind of continued sort of fails <laughs> they just keep happening and you know i just i, I just long may it continue basically i hope uh, ten hag is the manager for many years to come um fpl review sam is telling me to buy bruno who's their top man at the moment in terms of uh, non-pen sgi he's mm-hmm. 12th with, with uh with, with 9.4 um i mean it's not bad is it he's, he's got the data it's just who's he picking out a bit like gross who's it who's he actually putting the ball on a plate for and are they returning? And at the moment, I mean, Rashford has returned two, two and two now and Garnacho obviously has looked bright, but generally speaking, they're not, they're not finishing their chances and Hoyland until recently hadn't scored a Premier League goal. So yeah, like you say, false dawns and all of that, it might, it might be a bit too rich for my blood for the time being. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Right. What have we learned? Well, Man United's been a massive underwhelming, mm. uh, massive underwhelmments, massively underwhelming. It's not been very, very good for Man United, that's for sure. And Everton, I think the fancy, the fancy sort of um, interest has been quite low uh, throughout the mm. season. Really, like Bramford, cheap, fair play. Um, yeah. It's not that good um, for United. They are a little bit better. Um, but are you really going to be going there with the current malaise? Absolutely not. I, I don't really yeah. see why you would be. Uh, West Ham, um, Catch clean sheet tonight. Uh, Ariola has punished us again, Sam. Uh, oh, good. For selling for Leno, 11 pointer, which is obviously fantastic. And um, 40% effective ownership at our rank, which has been great. Um, 
middle of the road for everything. Uh, Jared Bowen's actually gone down in terms of um, where he is in terms of the non-pen SGI, uh, down to 10th now, 8.9. Um, losing the key men, Kudus, uh, to the AFCON, to AFCON and Pekesta injury maybe has um, blunted him a tiny bit, um, I think it's fair to say. Um, tonight, uh, failed to register a shot of any kind. Um, across the 90 minutes, especially that's against Bryson as well, who frames have not kept a clean sheet all year. <laughs> so uh, one to really consider there. Um, I mean, you're looking at bringing in, obviously, the Sheffield United game coming up next. You're looking at bringing in Bo and Sam. Mm. Considering, Still? yeah. Mm, okay. I mean, where are you with West Ham? Um, a, a team, I think, that um, are kind of where we think they'd be. Um, in, at least in terms of the XG rank, I think the SIP overall in the league is pretty decent. Yeah, I mean, their, their position is flattering them if, if, if you take the XG and the XGC into account. I mean, they're upper mid-table in terms of both of those data points, but obviously outperforming that comfortably in terms of league position. Um, Bowen is a very interesting one because obviously he's significantly outperformed his XG so far this season has had good creators around him until this point. So there's definitely a debate to be had whether or not he will continue at the same rate of knots without them. I'm sure he'll still get returns. He'll still tick along, but he hasn't been explosive all season. Um, so he's not really registered many double digit hauls at all. I think, I think he's got one where he registered two returns in one game earlier on in the season. And that's the only one so far this year to my, to my knowledge anyway. So he's a bit of a, a drip feeder of points and I'm sure he will get the odd return still over this stretch. It's just whether or not you back him to be consistent enough over this run when uh, when maybe there are other more explosive assets that might blank one week, but then get two or three returns in a match. And if you can pick that player right, then they'll probably outscore Bowen over, the, over this short period of time rather than over the season. So... Yeah, I, I don't think he's a lock-in for a transfer in this week. Um, it is obviously good news for us right now because we don't own him that he blanked today, but maybe that throws the cat amongst the pigeons a little bit in terms of whether or not he's a, a good buy um, for um, game week 21. But I, I don't really want to let one game week put me off too much if the no, date's no. in there. And I don't, I don't want to get too uh short term on my thinking obviously we're quite data led pods so I don't, I don't want to just chuck that out of the window with one poor performance but yeah. it is something to consider it is a short stretch of fixtures and if you think there's a player out there that's going to be more explosive in and around his price point then there's definitely a narrative building that would suggest that maybe he's not going to be quite as threatening as he has been recently without those other key men around him for the for the foreseeable future. But yeah, I think that's probably where the the fancy interest for West Ham right now lives and dies. Yeah, I mean, the, the context, I guess, is key, as we discussed, when it comes to Chelsea, when it comes to Spurs, when it comes to Newcastle, that if things change in terms of the data being good for in the Chelsea's case, uh, but the personnel aren't there in the case of Newcastle and in the case of Spurs. Okay, that's defensively, but offensively, uh, like Paqueta has been a massive force for them. We don't know what the prognosis is on his, on his injury. And obviously, Kudus has been massive as well for, for West Ham. So losing those two players may well change um Bowen's efficacy. Uh, obviously, that's kind of potentially something that I'd be. I'm. That's kind of it. So pick your own adventure, really. Um, two good fixtures to come against Sheffield United and Bournemouth. Um, but 
I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely one that I think, it, as you say, Sam, if you're in the position where, um, you know, you're, you're looking to replace Son, Salah, you've got Saka, you've got you know, Palmer, you've got all these sort of all the sort of players that are the likeliest lads. I wouldn't be put off buying Bowen straight away. Just keep it simple with an individual like that, especially with the two fits just to come. Um, and at the back as well, um, Ariola has done it again, Sam. Uh, punished us, <laughs> yes, again, uh, 39 points uh, versus Arsenal, Man United and Brighton. I mean, you can't make it up, can you? I mean, we, we can't really hindsight that too hard. No, I don't think we can. I, we were discussing it a little bit earlier on in regards to when we made the goalkeeper transfer. And yeah, there, there's obviously a bit of hindsight bias going on there. But at the time, he was legitimately injured. He, wa- he was genuinely out for a, f- a few games. And Turner, who was our backup keeper, had just lost his place. Um, little were we to know that he was actually going to regain his place the following week anyway. So we would have always had a starting keeper. Um, but these things happen in FPL. We, there was no way of forecasting that at the time, really, unless you have some sort of psychic powers. Um, and West Ham, as you can see, on the sheet here at that point had the 17th worst XGC. They have improved that drastically since then to up to 13th now, and that will probably keep improving. So yeah, obviously it's very annoying that he has come on leaps and bounds since he's been back, but I don't think it was necessarily something that we could have predicted and we shouldn't, I don't think anyway, we should beat ourselves up too much about it. Maybe just readdress the goalkeeper situation at a later date. Oh yeah. <laughs> also, also shout out to um Ben in the in the live chat who's an old friend of mine who's uh, up to 101k with the Ariola points. So well, Boo, well done. Mate. Hiss. <laughs> yes, mate. Well, Don't well hate done. you at all. <laughs> uh, I think it's been absolutely fine. Um fair play uh, to people who have kept their who's kept their I think that's kind of I guess the, the learning for me is it's just that we maybe should have just in that sort of situation just taken the zero um for a bit um because i think yeah. we don't do that when we had one free transfer and we should have just gone for the two and done it that way <laughs> you know, what were we thinking oh so but I <laughs> you're right you're, yeah, we can't hide it just can't hide can't hide too hard because i think if, if pre this you'd have been sat there and gone right they've got Arsenal, my nice and bryson next am i worried that ariola is going to pull the cat out of the bag the rabbit out of the hat and really kind of get near 40 points from those three games i think anyone who would have put that is crazy but um equally if you kept him just because you had better things to do it's a really nice having that sort of massive haul from a player that you just kind of left because you had better things to do uh, so fair play and maybe that should have been us as well sam uh, next up bournemouth um bournemouth doing okay um especially in terms of the sgc and um, come out of um the doldrums really and um, they're 18th last time we looked at this not national break um, for sgc and now up to 11th uh, solanke up to seventh in terms of uh, the key man non-pnxgi um yeah uh, I don't know, uh, equal 12th at the moment uh, for uh, for team rank in terms of um, uh, XG rank. Um, that's actually an improvement. I've got, that. I've got the colours wrong there. Um, but hey, uh, there we go. Um, 
overall, um, looking very good, looking very exciting. Um, I've got to say, if there's a Bournemouth game on, a little bit like a bit like, a bit like Brighton last year, if there's a Bournemouth game on, I, I, I really want to watch that. Like I, I was definitely, yeah, I know it's Arsenal, but I had Saliba and White <laughs> this week, no attackers, um, and I kind of found myself just thinking, oh, I really wish the the, the Spurs Bournemouth game was on. Like, I preferred that, and I kind of I kind of seek them out a little bit to watch. I'm really looking forward to the Bournemouth Liverpool game, albeit that's kind of you know, two weeks three weeks time but i think that'd be a really exciting game they're a really exciting team to watch aren't they um mm. i mean i'm uh yeah, I, I, I obviously got got slanky a bit too late um but still churning out kind of the data uh bournemouth themselves as well improving in terms of uh, many of the measures that we've spoken about um a bit of a watkins light i know um that's been uh, that, that's not original from me it's been coined several places um but I don't know a player that I'm quite happy to own, and you, it's kind of a bit like a, my Saka in the past for you, Sam. Now that every week you're kind of thinking, oh god, you know, I just need to get through this slanky game, and hopefully be able to get on with my game week. But any kind of return, I guess, from him is going to be um, uh, quite difficult for you to uh, to overcome, I suppose. And given how they've been, um, I suppose to cut straight to the chase, what we've learned is that sometimes. Especially when they've when teams have got a really bad early fixture run like Bournemouth had, um, they can have a lot more potential than they're showing. And after a while, when the fixtures ameliorate, they too can ameliorate as an FPL asset or as an FPL kind of uh, proposition. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, I'm petrified of Solanke whenever he steps on the pitch at the moment. Is his EO and the fact that he is incredibly threatening. I, I, Bournemouth's data XG-wise is fairly mid-table, but the XG that they are creating is all for Solanke. He is a definition of a talismanic striker. He's on penalties. He's looking like he's in the form of his life. I think even against Liverpool, I, I'd back him to return genuinely at this point. I was very surprised he didn't against Spurs. Obviously, I think he had nine shots on goal and about one XG um, he generated as well during that match. So he's unlucky not to get something. Um, so, yeah, I think even in, kind of kind of independent of fixtures, he's a good buy because he's so well-priced, because he's talismanic for a team that are all about creating him chances. I think that even up against some of the hardest oppositions, I'd still back him to do all right. Um Defensively, I think 11th isn't, isn't bad for a team like them. They will have good value in defence. So if you want a fourth defender there, if they run into a good patch of fixtures, then absolutely fine. I know fairly soon they go up against, is it Man City followed by Aston Villa in a few game weeks time? Yep. So yeah. It's, it's a very kind of changeable uh, fixture uh, yeah. for Bournemouth, that's for sure. Yeah, so you probably don't want to ride out a, a Bournemouth defender through that patch, but then but then maybe Solanke is an easy enough hold. And I think you probably do want Watkins and Haaland maybe a touch more than him. But if you're playing a 3-4-3, he's an easy third choice for a striker. Um, and to be honest, because of the rate he's returning, if you wanted to go without either of those two players for another week or two, then you could probably get away with it with Solanke in the side. Yeah, double game coming up as well, Sam. Uh, yeah, double game. Somewhere. Yeah, true. And um, if, if it does come between game week 27 and 32, they've got Burnley, Sheffield United, Wolves, Everton, Crystal Palace, Luton, with that sort of 
period. So mm. I don't know, feasibly, Slanky could be your triple captain this year. <laughs> so imagine, imagine. I think at the start of the season, if you said that to a lot of people, yes, okay, in the in the stats crowd, analytics crowd, he's been a bit of an idol. Um, but he's only kind of recently exposed in the consciousness of FPL managers everywhere. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think, I think if you said to me at the start of the season, he'd be a candidate for triple captain. I think you were crazy. But yeah, he could well be there. Yeah, so what have we learned? Well, crap starts the season and fixtures doesn't mean you should write off a team altogether, especially not the talisman, uh, especially when it comes to Slanky. Yeah. And let's start Wolves. And I think you, there was one player uh, in, in terms of all the key men that really surprised you. And I think that he is the Wolves sort of key man, isn't it? Yeah, Cunha being top of the, the key men for Wolves was surprising considering how well Huang has done in particular. But actually, he, ha- he has been playing really well. Obviously, he's still very cheap in FPL too. And yeah, the data, 15th overall out of all players for non-penalty XGI so far this season, isn't too shabby at all. He came to the league with a lot of promise. He's kind of delivering on that promise all of a sudden and has, hasn't really been talked about too much because Huang has been taking the headlines. But yeah, obviously he's off to the Asia Cup for a little bit. I'm sure Wolves will be negatively impacted without him in the side. But with Neto coming back in, maybe they're still creating enough chances for Cunha to actually still benefit from that. And despite the fact they're only 14th for XG rank, for him to be at that at that price point up to 15th overall out of all players i think he's pretty decent value for money and it's only because there are so many other decent strikers that maybe he's not being discussed more at the moment I think so. I, th- I think he's. <laughs> I've owned him on draft. If anyone cares yeah, about that, he's a classic draft pick, isn't he? Had him on draft since the start of the season, and he's been he's been pretty decent. And I, th- I think actually, if you look at the kind of the underlying data of Acuna, um, which is something I'm sure this, these these are the depths with which like losers like us delve into. He's actually overperforming in terms of his XG uh, XGI. That is so six goals, five assists. That's without the FPL stuff added on from eight point eight in terms of non pen XGI. If you think about that um, as well, if you if you watch him play, there are so many moments where he just kind of blazes it over, you know, makes the wrong decision in terms of passes, makes the wrong decision in terms of shots as well. And and I don't know, he's a player who he was at Hoffenheim, I think he was before. Um, that's kind of proper football manager um, for me, Vakunya, <laughs> a player that I really liked. Um, and I was at Herfer, not, not Hoffenheim, uh, but a player that I really fancied on foot manager. I think I, he was one of those players, a bit like um, Emil Forsberg, remember him? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He became a bit of a goat um, on foot manager, but didn't quite make it in real life. <laughs> and uh, he's a player, I think, that um, if you are looking for a player who's quite cheap, can fill the forward line, I think it'd be close to him and um, and probably Jao Pedro, given the fixtures for uh, for Wolves um, that you'd be looking at. Like, I, again, an ideal sort of 12th man, potentially. Um, I think he's still going to kind of tick along uh, for you there. Um, but there's another player who was another football manager legend and who did very well, um, did okay in Germany, but particularly well in Austria, um, who's just gone on the international duty. And, that, and that, that's Huang Hee Chan, um, pretty lethal. Um, and it's no surprise that clubs uh, like Spurs um, with the Korean connection, obviously, are, are circling him now a little bit. Um, you put out a post the other day on XAM that mm. if you, if he, when he does come back, you're looking at kind of buying him in. Um, yeah. 
I've got noted here he's got low he's got a really really satisfying stats profile in FPL he's got 100 total points he's got 10 total bonus and he's 10 percent owned um yeah, so that's the insight I've got to offer he's um, a 10 out of 10 <laughs> a lethal, um, lethal player yeah, yeah, he's been fantastic so far this season. Um, obviously, again, a bit like Cunha, came to the league with a lot of promise. Um, and again, he's now delivering on that promise finally. Um, O'Neill is really getting the best out of him. And I think that when he is back from the Asia Cup, they're actually pretty close to running into a really good run of fixtures. I think it's from 26 to 30-ish. They run into quite a few good home games. I think there's one pretty nasty away game in there. I can't remember who it's against now, but there's a good run of home fixtures, all green on the ticker. And if you are not too distracted by the doubles uh, by at, around that time, then he will be fantastic value for money. And who knows that he could he could nestle in as a as an enabler due to the doubles as well. So he he's a player that would be very much on my radar um, around that time. Hopefully the the chips fall in in hmm. his favour at that moment, and he becomes an easy buy um, because yeah. I, and we've noticed recently that he's on penalties as well. So really, he ticks all the boxes too. Um, it's just whether or not the opportunity will arise when he does come back, and whether whether or not we've got transfers to spend on a player like him. Yes, yeah, fantastic fixtures from game twenty six, which, which is around when he comes back from um, from from the Asian Cup. Um, no teams other than Newcastle from last year's top four right up until mid-April um, so yeah really interesting uh, Huang and one you're going to keep an eye on Net Neto coming back and things like that may mean that um, they're able to kind of as you said earlier on before we started the pod they're able to kind of keep the keep, keep the momentum going and um, mm. uh, J- James on Planet Noted I keep giving him shout outs but I love the man um, the, they were the only team to win um, all three of their games um, over the congested Christmas period and Gary O'Neill was working wonders there that's for sure um, yep. so what have you learned from them but they're a team that they can provide you a lot of stuff um, really like, even though they're they're kind of unfashionable you can always find these little gems within teams like Wolves and yeah. I think a lot of that is kind of a lie to keep an eye on the stats and also again as I said earlier on integrative of the eye test and um, I think we're running out of FPL relevant teams here and um, I think there's, there's kind of two left uh, one kind of a, a, one rising uh, in terms of potential relevance due to two individuals um, which is Crystal Palace um, 15th overall um, in terms of uh, XG rank. They were 14th, now down to 15th. Key man is IU there. I think that's just due to the injuries uh, for the two key men. And defensively, up to 7th in terms of XGC. Um, they were 10th last time this was in game week 12. Um, but I think the story here is all about Ezzy and Elise, um, both 100%. back from injury. Um, obviously, a difficult fixture coming up against uh, against us, uh, Arsenal. Um, but I don't know. Um, if you're looking for Sam for players who are going to be providing you with that sort of X factor, that zing, um, Sheffield United in game 22, uh, Bryson 23, Chelsea 24, Everton 25, and then Burnley in 26. Um, they're very, very high on my shortlist uh, for yeah. players to be replacing Son with. So if we think about it, I'm going to be replacing Salah, probably going to be buying Haaland back, which will mean I'll get rid of Darwin. So Son's going to be on my bench for a week which is quite convenient because we they've got a difficult game against us, Arsenal. And then after that, they run to okay fixtures where I'd be looking to back them. So I think after that point, if I don't buy Bowen, I'm going to be looking at these guys. Um, so yeah, really interesting, I think. Yeah, Elise in particular, I'm very excited by. He's looked brilliant since coming back from injury. Didn't start the season because of that long layoff, but he's come back and just 
flown out of the traps. Um, five goals, one assist already. It won't be long before he overtakes Ayu for the underlying data as well, because he's going at a rate of about 0.7 XGI at the moment. So this this is a guy that is really holding Crystal Palace on, on his shoulders at the moment. Eze obviously is coming into that too, but he's been a little bit um a, a little bit injured recently and, and not been quite full fitness. So when they're when they're both together and both full fit fully fit, then I think they'll be much better for it. But Elise in particular is grabbing the headlines, rightly so, and he's a player that I'd be very interested in bringing in as a differential. I think he's still under under 2% owned, which is incredible considering how he how he's been performing recently. So considering the budget and the, the price point he's at as well, the underlying data is, again, very similar to the likes of Saka. So, yeah, a player I'm very interested in at the moment. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think defensively, you're probably not going to be too interested there. We want the attacking defenders, um, but yeah, Elise and uh, Ezzy are both going to be players. I think Ezzy's on penalties, isn't he? Um, and I think that that might be way, what would swing you, but it's just so, so so nicely priced, especially if you're kind of strategically looking to ensure you've got a little bit of money in the bank to make sure you can buy Salah and or Son back, depending on when they return from, from their respective competitions. What we've learned about Palace, not, partic- not very much really. I think that we, at the start of the season, would have kind of, picked out the fact that they're defensively quite solid. Um, Joe Anderson has done what many defenders do in fantasy football, um, scored a couple of early goals and suddenly you've kind of become <laughs> a bit of a bandwagon. Um, Happens every year. Avoid if, you, if, you, if you're kind of, yeah, yeah exactly. Just, just just avoid if you're an experienced manager. Um, but at least in Eze, they're players who will have their moment and I think that that moment is is, is going to come. Um, yeah. They're both out from injury, both playing. Um and players who are definitely on radar, and we'll speak about them a lot more with Black Wolf next week. Uh, Fulham, I think, are the last FPL relevant team, um, in fairness, um, and they're only FPL relevant, Sam, because we made a terrible mistake and bought Leno. Um, defensively, they're not looking great, are they? No, awful. Um, we're we're cursed when it comes to goalkeepers this season. As soon as we buy him in, he would. I think he was the top scoring keeper when we brought him, or at least what one of the top two, and he's he's just had a a whole calamity of errors ever since. So yeah, that's not gone well at all. Um, Fulham had a, a bit of a moment in, in the spotlight recently, but um, banging 10 in two, in two games without, without reply. And ever since then, they've just fallen off really with the exception of when, when they got to play you guys. So it's hard to predict what they're going to be like week to week. I think that's really the key lesson from Fulham is one week they'll turn up and and they will be extremely competitive and, and blow a team away. And the next week it will be like that team never existed in the first place. So it's hard to know which Fulham's going to turn up. And due to that, they're quite a hard team to back FPL wise because you don't feel like any of them are going to be reliable enough. Jimenez, again, if there weren't so many good striking options, he's great value for money and he's looking like he's got his verve back. But generally speaking, I think interest wise, that's where it kind of runs out at the moment. There are midfielders that are doing okay, but there are at least five or six midfielders ahead of them in the pecking order. So I don't really think we need to waste a ton of time talking about uh, about them right now. Yeah, I think the main hope is that, that Leno does kind of 
come through. I mean, you've got Chelsea next, uh, Everton, Burnley, Bournemouth, Aston Villa, Man United over the next few. Um, I, I don't know, I'm just, just hoping they're saves. I mean, the last couple of games, it's been ridiculous. Like, in terms of, he's t- turned from strong doge to weak doge, um, really. Like, X, XGP has gone from kind of you know, positive to negative quite, quite, quite turn on a dime really um just got to hope this this, this doesn't continue uh, when it comes to him because it really it's kind of one of those players who's we've always been kind of interested in it's like a bit of a save machine the individual who you know you wish you'd owned when they kind of come up with like a 12 13 pointer out of nowhere like Ariola at the moment the player who paradoxically we sold for him and um, so hopefully that's going to be the case but yes not too much FPL relevance. And that kind of is the same for the bottom four. I know we've been going for quite a while, so I'm just going to lump them all together. I'm really sorry for fans of Forest, Luton, Burnley, Sheffield United, <laughs> similar to Fulham. They are going to, they are teams for whom the main interest is going to be enablers, effectively, yeah. FPL. Um, not moved around too much, really. Uh, so Forest from 16th, 17th, and the rank, uh, they've overtaken uh, Luton from 18th, 17th. For obviously, Forest had a really a few really decent results, especially beating United, um, and Luton obviously as well. A decent result beating Sheffield United, uh, Burnley 19th, and for, uh, Sheffield United 20th. Uh, Forest as well, decent defensively, um, up from 15th to 10th in the SGC, um, and Luton um, in 19th, Burnley in 16th, and Sheffield United in 20th. Um, of all these teams, probably Cameron Archer is the main one of any interest to anybody. Um, there are a few individuals who were celebrating the Crispin hat trick, for example. I've got no idea how that happened. Um, <laughs> Alfie, Alfie Doughty, um, it sounds like kind of the English version of he who should not be named of Wolves fame. Um, at, at, at Luton, a player who's been kind of creating quite a lot but I, I suspect the interest in these play in these players in these teams is, is fairly muted in terms of uh, FPL management in the mainstream and the only thing to mention if you are looking for enabler is that uh, Sheffield United's next few games are pretty good uh, according to the hub fixture analyzer but there's nothing really here is there Sam only looking at FPL managers um, and I think um, what you learn about these teams is similar to every season that there are some teams that you're kind of that you can kind of just conveniently forget and be blissfully ignorant of for, for the majority of the season, other than having the odd enabler every now and again. So you know, two weeks ago, you had Cameron Archer who got a nice assist for you, uh, kind of coming close to Slanky. And, and that's kind of a big win when that sort of thing happens. But other than that, just be blissfully unaware of these teams and they're not going to hurt you particularly, are they? Unless you know you have a, a, a Lundstrom or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there were no exceptional bargains this season, as it turns out. Obviously, Archer starting is a bit of a, a a positive, a little bonus, but he's not really been returning that much. Um, Nottingham Forest, I'd say maybe one little rung ahead of the other three promoted sides. Um, Alanga and Morgan Gibbs-White are both talented footballers and they will probably tick along decently. But again, probably no, no real fancy interest in, in them at this point. Um, uh, Luton, not a ton there, really, to be honest. And Burnley, unfortunately, also not really outside of uh, Charlie Taylor. And again, he's probably just sat last on your bench most weeks too. So, yeah, more than happy to wrap them all together with a neat little bow and kind of forget about them for the time being. If double game weeks crop up, if anything like that happens, then maybe. But generally, yeah, the most of them would be just sat on our bench for the, for the foreseeable. Whew. 
Well, that was uh, quite the whistle stops tour, wasn't it? Really, we did it. <laughs> we did it. I think we've done, I think we've done it in kind of just over an hour and a half, if you factor in the, the wasting time. Uh, a little bit longer this week. Um, so thanks very much for chilling uh, through this. Hopefully, um, it's been good to kind of look back over the course of the last few weeks, over the last kind of half of the season. Um, I think the what have we learned thing, we try to keep it up throughout the pod. <laughs> I'm not sure it's quite managed to uh, to, 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 re- to remain, um, but hopefully that was vaguely useful and at least very, vaguely entertaining. I think that was a really interesting chat. Um, I, I kind of wish I wasn't kind of looking at the time and saying, come on, Sam, let's move on. Um, so I think there were a few teams there we could have kept going on for and made this into a three-hour pod, um, which I do exist out there. I know there's appetite for it, um, but personally, I can't bother to edit that. Right. <laughs> uh, a very quick look at transfers and captains, do you think, Sam? Yeah, go on. Why not? We've got we've got t- 10 minutes if we need it. Hang on. Right. Let, let's go with you first. Um, this is your bus team. It is very much oh, bus team at the God, moment, it's I imagine. It's a mess, Where, isn't it? Absolutely where's, your mess. He- where's your head at the moment? So I'm currently in the 4 3 3 because um, yeah. Salasson and Shimikas are all out, right? And I think that at the moment, and we'll discuss this next week in much more detail because I'm I'm more than happy to go and have a lie down, forget about FPL for a week. I know there's loads of nutters out there making transfers now. I know KDB is rising, as Salah fell last night, and all this sort of nonsense. But really, what are you doing? What's the point? You've got so much information that's, that's on its way. Um, I'm copyright every content creator and um, but i'm just leaving it be at the moment and um, so salah son and shimakash from my bench i've got four three three you know playing taylor and all the sort of jazz i think that if um holland is fit he's going to come in for darwin um complete the cleanse um after selling martinelli last week um and probably um probably get my captaincy i think uh but palmer uh, versus fulham um let's, let's get rid gets rid get rid and we'll talk about this next week of any notions of the fact he's an enabler he's not he's an eight million player masquerading as a five million player <laughs> and um I, i'm more than happy to captain him versus versus fulham if that's kind of how it's going to shake out if uh, that we don't have a definitive answer about Holland because i kind of want my captain to be in the early part of uh the, the split game week um yeah so i I think at the moment I'm probably going to go without Trent, which is going to be a bit worrying, but I can't buy, as I said, at the very start of the pod, Holland and Trent in one go without minus eight. I think minus eight is a bit too rich for my blood. I think there will be hits flying around, not as well planned as you, so I don't have the two free transfers. So it's going to be a hit. I think it will probably be uh, Darwin out for Holland and then Salah out for I think it's probably going to have to be Saka, and I just cover that off, to be honest. Mm. Um, and probably, probably benching Taylor versus Luton, just hoping that Gordon will capitalise on the one mistake Man City make. Um, and then captaincy, I think, will probably end up on Holland. Uh, let's be fair, um, because I mean, yeah, I probably do need to. I don't know, 400k is that a time for? Well, now 500k is Ariola. Is that a time to start thinking about making um, making more punty moves? Probably not in a week like the week we're coming up with. Um, so maybe it will just be the case of just catching Holland, just kind of get on with it from there. What about you? Okay, so moving on to my side, I'm also currently in a 4-3-3 due to um, the midfielders being out, but obviously that will change with transfers. I do have two frees, so I can move both Salah and Son out without taking a hit if I'm willing to go without Haaland, but 
Obviously, it looks like he should be fit for the Newcastle game and I, w- I would want him back in as quickly as possible. So I can either do one of probably two things. One would be remove Salah and Darwin and bring in Haaland with a def- a midfielder of choice um, and then wait um, and use the next transfer on Son in game week 22. Or I could take the hit and sort out all three and then also potentially bench um, Gordon, Archer, et cetera, et cetera. And, and obviously Charlie Taylor comes out of the 11 as, as well. So doing all three for a hit in a week where I think hits are going to be flying and it means that I've got one extra week of quite a powerful midfielder rather than having Son on my bench and having to play Archer, for example, to cover it off might be quite appealing to me um, and just chasing that upside and being just a little bit more aggressive and trying to get ahead of the template again, because I think maybe um, I've possibly been on the cautious side over the last few weeks and, and that hasn't really paid as as, as much for me as, as, as potentially I was hoping. So I could get rid of um, Salah and Archer for Haaland and another, or I could get rid of Darwin for Haaland um, and have a bit more money to spend elsewhere and remain in that four, uh, three, four, a uh, three, five, two. If I got rid of Archer, then the following week I could get rid of uh, Darwin for Solanke, and then I'm in a three, four, three for the foreseeable. So either one of those two routes is appealing to me like you i'm i'm not going to be making any sort of decision for at least a week now i'm going to chill out and and let the yeah let the <laughs> fa cup kind of just happen in the background see what see yeah. what happens see how the conversations are adapting and then changing over the week and, and make my mind up at some point next week yeah i think it might be a good time to just tune out a little bit yeah, uh, I, if that's going to happen, Sam, I don't think so. <laughs> given yeah. given how much we given how much we talk about this nonsense, but you know, um, it probably is a good time to do so. Mm. Right. Well, I think that's a lot this week. Um, hopefully, that was useful. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, and uh, of course, we'll be back next Monday um, for another pod. That one will be more zoomed in. So, hopefully, you enjoyed this one. But don't worry if you want to think about the next few game weeks a little bit more then uh, next week is probably the pod for you so do make sure you're tuned in for that in the meantime uh thank you all for listening so much for about 100 minutes or so um so yeah we do really appreciate you sticking around for that um we were who got the assist as always you can find us on x at wgta underscore fpl and myself at FPL Pricey. And again, as always, on Instagram and threads at WGTA.FPL. And I'm just FPL Pricey on there as well. If you enjoyed the pod, if you could follow us on those socials and give the pod a five-star rating wherever you're listening to it on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, whatever you're listening to, that would be fantastic. And if you're watching on YouTube, especially if you're watching live as well, please, please do remember to leave a like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. That is incredibly helpful to us. So thank you so much in advance if you feel like doing that. In the meantime, um, I will leave you with the very positive sentiment that will be joined next week by a good friend of the pod, FPL Black Wolf, as Tom hinted at earlier. So we're really looking forward to next Monday with all three of us on the pod. In the meantime, though, it's uh, a farewell from me. Yep, thank you very much, Sam. Um, I think we'll, we'll basically be doing Monday YouTube from now on, effectively. Mm. Um, we'll probably try to, we always try to record on the last day 
of whatever the game week is um due to <laughs> sam going to bed early and uh, me <laughs> in my life uh, with a baby um it's not as easy to record kind of at full time so it can sometimes be around half time but it's always gonna be kind of monday night that we'll be on youtube doing this and i think we've kind of been doing it anyway so we thought we might as well show, shove it on live and it's always been kind of the same uh, but yeah next week looking forward to having, having black wolf on it should be really good fun uh, we hope you enjoyed the pods um slash the video and we hope we should think about the first half of the season it begins think about the second looking forward to a weekend of chilling without the Premier League, to be honest. We'll speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.